What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas Podcast. It is all three fellas, Lucas, Cameron, and Tyler, hanging out with you on a Thursday night, May 5th. Gentlemen, how are we you doing You know, this it's evening? Cinco de Mayo. What more can you ask for? Had May, four, May the 4th yesterday. Um, World peace. <laughs> Sorry. It was, it was more of a rhetorical question, you know. I've been kind of working on those with my third graders. Every time I say something, you don't have to respond and try to make me look stupid, you know. Like, you can just let me have my moment. Like, I, I shouldn't have to like beg for it. But I mean, you do you, I guess. I will do me, but it is Cinco de Mayo. You're correct. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Ty, how are you? Oh man, um, hey. Gents, welcome to I, – I don't really want to call it a new season of the Fantasy Football Fellas, but it really does feel like a new season of the Fantasy Football Fellas now that the draft's over and, and really like we're on to the next season now pretty mm-hmm. much. So happy uh, happy new season to y'all. Yeah, We're coming up on a year. Happy season yeah. two? Season- happy season two of the Fantasy Football Fellas? I think that this will be the inaugural episode of season two. Happy season two of the Ooh, Fantasy yeah. Football Fellas. Throw your own party. BYOP in your own party. Yes, we are uh, We are excited to break down some winners and losers, uh, fantasy-wise, from the NFL draft. We were obviously live during the NFL draft. If you missed uh, our last two episodes and uh, our struggle bus with the audio, I feel like I need to give more of a disclaimer. I gave like a nice little minute disclaimer on one of the episodes, but I feel like I need to go into depth. We were working with the soundboard. We were working with plugging our mics into a soundboard and being live in person together. And it was our first time using said equipment. (laughs) So uh, we now know what works and what doesn't work. We now know how to also adjust the volume. And we also know (laughs) how to not make it sound like we're maxing out the mics every single time. More so how I'm not going to max out the mic every single time. So uh, I do apologize for that, but thanks for bearing with us. So we will uh, have better content for you there in the future. But we are breaking down some winners and losers, both rookies and non-rookies, from the NFL draft last week. But before we even get to any of that, we need to we need to recognize something of grave importance here. Last week, during our rookie draft... The fellas had a little friendly bet, a little friendly wager. We each had our own mock drafts, and we and we had our point system and everything, and whoever had the most points at the end of the night was going to get a two-minute monologue on this inaugural Season 2 podcast of the Fantasy Football Fellas. And that winner was Tyler. He did win the mock draft wager between the fellas. So, Tyler, I now give you two minutes to monologue on anything of your choosing. And to my understanding, you've actually kept it NFL fantasy. Yeah. Football. I thought about going the, uh, you know, if you wear a Jersey of a player that you think is just cool, but you actually don't like support the team. You're just a fake fan route. I thought about doing something kind of like, you know, how are you doing mentally, emotionally, spiritually? How are you guys doing, right? Like, listen, I'm a little more interactive, you could say. But I, like you said, I kept it within the within the football fantasy football guidelines. So, I guess uh, four minutes recording starts now. Two minutes. Here we go. So, 
<laughs> Clack. So Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott for two minutes and why I think people are overreacting to what they call a bad season, which he did finish running back seven last season. So that's point number one. Uh, number two, uh, who are like the two running backs that probably would have finished higher than him had they played a full season? Christian McCaffrey's one and one. two would be Dalvin Cook. No, well, he played the majority of the season. Derrick Henry. Sure Derrick Henry. That's who we're missing. We can we can agree that those two. <laughs> I love how I went to Dalvin <laughs> over Derrick. Henry. We can agree that those two players, if they played a full season, would have finished ahead of Zeke, right? I would agree. Yeah. Okay. Yes, so if, if that's the case, then Zeke would have finished running back nine, which is still running back one. That's point number two. Let's look at this from a stat standpoint real quick, okay? 237 rushing attempts is seventh most out of all running backs compared to 130 from Tony Pollard. That's not an even close. That's 100 carries more. Rushing yards. He had 1,002 rushing yards. That's seventh most in the league. Pollard had 719. Okay. A little bit, a uh, little, little too close for comfort, but we can, we can just say that Pollard's a little more efficient on the ground than Zeke. But still, he was a 1,000-yard rusher. Let's go to the receiving game. Zeke had 65 targets. Pollard had 46. Zeke had 47 receptions. Pollard had 39. Pollard had uh, Zeke on yards by roughly 50 yards, but Zeke made up for it with two touchdowns. All this to say, Zeke is going to be just fine. He is not an he's not a running back two. He's a low end running back one that you could target at the end of round one. And look, he may not have the, the flashiest season that we've seen in the past, but he is one of the more safe running back picks, especially going into this year with Michael Gallup going to be missing some time and James Robinson and Jalen Tolbert being the starting wide receivers. They will use Zeke this year. He will finish very, very well this year in fantasy football. End scene. Look at that. That was nice. Right on that was rehearsed. two minutes. Not at all. I swear <laughs> to you. Like, he spent have, all day. I have the notes that I did 15 minutes before we started recording, pretty much. No. That's that. I don't believe it. You woke up at 5 a.m. this morning and have practiced at least 30 times. Well, you know, I was. I am <laughs> practiced in the mirror like any good public speaker. I am a natural public speaker. Like Three I times. Every single presentation I ever did in college and high school. So, like, this was, like, no big deal for me. But He had Mo sit in front of him and talk to Mo. <laughs> what do you think I do during the day Mo. when my parents are at work? Mo down. And I'm then staying with the dog. I have to talk to somebody, right? <laughs> Mo dog gets all of it. I love it. I love it. Well, let's, uh, before we move on to breaking, well, th Tyler, thank you for bringing in our inaugural segment there for a uh, two-minute monologue uh, due to a friendly competition. Uh, before we get to everything else, let's cover some news and notes from around the league. Praying that Please. comes <laughs> If not, you had a moment to say Debo Samuel. Not traded has re-followed the 49ers on Instagram. Things appear to be on the mend for Debo Samuel and the 49ers next year. All of a sudden, we may uh, often not see a trade of Debo Samuel. The top quick thoughts, 
what's helped this change? The fact that Debo didn't get traded on draft night and the 49ers couldn't field a good enough package for him? I have just come up with this theory in my head. There was a report today that Trey Lance is underwhelming the 49ers. And I believe Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start for the 49ers next year. So Debo is okay with staying because he knows that he's going to get the targets. As a Trey Lance didn't manager? Think he's with Trey Lance, which I think is the You're reason wrong. he wanted out. Uh, Tyler, what do you... <laughs> I, I i don't mind that theory i don't know i don't i don't know how much weight i can actually put into it but I, that's interesting to think about there's too much coincidence in that theory to not be true so i really really like it uh-huh thank you thank you <laughs> that being said i think i wonder if debo's agent made some phone calls and said, hey, what would be the price tag you would sign Debo yeah. for if he was traded to your team? And once teams got back to him and said, like, eh, probably like like 16 million a year or something around that, Debo's like, okay, you know what? Maybe I stay one more year. If I get the franchise tag, I'm going to get more money than if I was traded and then extended somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be the worst thing in the world. And then maybe, you know, when he's on the franchise tag, then he forces a trade. Because then that theory of, oh, Trey Lance can be the starter, then comes back into play. So, that's my theory. I I think it has a lot to do with draft night and the fact that the 49ers didn't field a worthy, quote-unquote, worthy package in their minds, and so now they're like, well, I I guess we're stuck with him. We may as well do something about it, and it's not like he's the worst player in the world to have. I don't know. He just put up an incredible season. Why would you want to get rid of him anyway? So maybe we should pay him. So I'm sure they're, at this point, I think think Debo probably uh, called their bluff, and now all of a sudden they're ready to sign him again, but uh, we won't know. I'm, I'm expecting more information in the coming days, and it wouldn't surprise me if it does revolve more around um, the front office and potentially even the QB situation. That's something to keep an eye on. Tyron Matthew, three years, $33 million with the New Orleans Saints. They are going to win this year. They're They're striving to go win a Super Bowl this year. This move proves it. I honestly love this move for the Saints. I don't think there's much more we need to say there. They're they're going to win it all this year, and rightfully so. They have the team to go out and try and do that. I would argue they're a quarterback away, but who knows? James <laughs> for the promised land, baby. Uh, <laughs> Ron Rivera, this was a dagger to the heart of an Antonio Gibson truther. Here's truly. Um, not this year, but in past years, I've always loved Antonio Gibson. Ron Rivera wants, uh, says he wanted to use Antonio Gibson and newly drafted rookie Brian Robinson as a duo like Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams when he was in Carolina. Uh, Antonio Gibson's season was over last year, uh, had a memorial at the end of last season when Gibby was popping off, and has now (laughs) returned to the grave (laughs) where it probably belongs forever. Uh, it sucks. It, it sucks. I, I'd love Brian Robinson as a player, but for Antonio Gibson, I, I don't like Brian Robinson at all. 
at all. I do, I do take this with a grain of salt, though, because the last saying of you know value that I remember Ron Rivera saying about Antonio Gibson was that he could be like CMC, and that didn't happen. So, um, there's got to be something there that you know. There's got to be something in there that's truth, but to be an exact copy, as he's saying, of Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams seems a little far out there. I think he's just going for trying to say that Antonio Gibson could be like every single running back that he coached in Carolina. Um, he's he's already got three now because who knows? He could be Jonathan Stewart. He could be D'Angelo Williams. Um, he hasn't clarified, so he's got three. Um, he's got a couple more left that he could hit. Um, it'd be interesting if he tries to go for like a Cam Newton comparison, but that remains to be seen. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> I love how that was a low key dig at Cam Newton being a running back. I know that's exactly what that was. I had, there was no other intention to that statement other to call thank Cam you, thank you. a running back. <laughs> all right. That's pretty much all the news we've had because we went through all the crazy and wild trains at the NFL draft as they happened on our uh, two previous podcasts. So again, go check those out if you want to get more literal live reactions on those. Uh, but for now, let's turn our attention to winners and losers fantasy-wise from the NFL draft. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. Oh No, I, I'm crossing my fingers with Canley. Please come through. Please. Please come through. <laughs> I'm just giving up at this point. Uh, maybe maybe what we need to do from now on is just automatically just put in our own transitions. Of, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do our own transitions. Winners and losers, fantasy-wise, from the NFL draft. We're gonna. Here's how it's going to go. We each have uh, two winners. One of those winners is going to be a player that was drafted, a rookie player. And one of those players is also going to be a non-rookie, a veteran player um, that also benefited from the NFL draft in some capacity. We also then have two losers. Same thing. One one loser, one rookie loser that was uh, drafted. One veteran that because of the NFL draft is a loser as well. But we're going to start with the winners because that's always the best place to start. And we're going to start with the veteran winners. Uh, Cameron, who is your veteran winner from the NFL? Finally, one of my pro Ravens agendas is starting to pay off. <laughs> I had been pushing three of them. One of them isn't looking so hot, but I'm kind of getting more confident again if they haven't signed a free agent in J.K. Dobbins. But Rashad Bateman is the guy that I think is one of the biggest winners of the draft for fantasy football. And the reason for this is they traded away Marquise Brown. And there are no free agents that are going to come in to take that top spot. You know, I mean, they might split be a 1A, 1B, but nobody's going to come in and be that alpha anymore. They're not going to sign and they're not going to trade for anyone. Now, the thing about the Ravens going in next year, Mark Andrews is the number one target. That, that, I don't think we're going to argue at all. And I think they're going to run the ball way more having both Dobbins and Edwards back. However, Bateman... When I, I just statted out Bateman for um, this upcoming year, and I have him getting around 125, 130 um, targets. That'd be like 85, 90 receptions, putting him a little bit over 1,000 yards. And, you know, he sees seven, eight touchdowns. I mean, he's in that conversation for a low-end wide receiver, too. 
uh, mid to low on wide receiver two. And I don't think that's all the realm of possibilities. I mean, obviously I don't, I just set it out or told you that I did, but you know, that was something that we were kind of hoping we could see from Marquise Brown and he just never was able to finish a season. We saw it in spurts and I think that Rashad Bateman just has the frame, you know, cause Marquise Brown was just so much smaller um, than what Rashad Bateman is that Bateman's going to be able to get more of those contested catches that Brown probably wouldn't have got. So I do think that um, Bateman is a huge winner from this draft. I couldn't agree more. I like I am in. If you tell me you're ready to push Rashad Bateman wide receiver two, like not overall, but like mm-hmm. plug and play every single week wide receiver two in your lineup. Yep, I could get behind that. There, no, but Sammy Watkins is gone too. Devin Duvernay. Nobody's there anymore. <laughs> Nobody. It's it's Rashad Bateman. It's nobody. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. That's it. I'm I'm in on Rashad Bateman. Thousand percent. Ironically enough, Tyler, your winner, your winner made Rashad Bateman a winner, and I think that gives it away. But explain to the people who your winner from the yeah. NFL draft is from a veteran yeah, my, perspective. Uh, my non-rookie winner is Hollywood Brown, and this is uh, the sole reason is because. He's going to an offense that suits him much better than a run-first Baltimore offense. And it, I mean, we'll call it convenience, but I feel like a big reason why Arizona just traded for Hollywood Brown was because they knew about the D-Hop suspension, which we forgot to mention in news and notes. That was a huge piece that we forgot. I was going to bring that up once you're done. That's on me. That's um, on me. So, yeah, with with DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games, I think it is. Six games, first six <laughs> games of the season. He steps in as the guy. I mean, Rondell Moore, meh. <laughs> AJ Green, meh. <laughs> right, like, I think Hollywood Brown, and especially being former teammates with Kyler Murray back in Oklahoma, I'm I'm kind of anticipating that they are not going to skip a beat at all, and Hollywood Brown is going to really kind of show people why, you know, he was actually worth a first round draft pick, worth was worth a first round draft pick in a trade, and could be a legit future number one for Arizona post DeAndre Hopkins. He Marquise Brown is the wide receiver to Arizona has needed forever (laughs) like Christian Kirk is nice and all but like Hollywood Brown's explosiveness route running speed quick everything Hollywood Brown the better wide receiver than Christian Kirk I think we can all agree on that yes pretty easily yeah uh the dream wide receiver too for this offense once DeAndre Hopkins gets back but now I mean look he walks into a better quarterback play situation with Kyler Mm -hmm. Murray over Lamar Jackson who's going to throw the ball more uh, I, I agree, thousand percent. My veteran winner from the NFL draft. Get this, Robert Woods. Bobby Robert Trees. Woods. Now, coming off of an ACL, not not a great look, not a great start to this argument. But, but the Titans traded away AJ Brown, the number one target getter in that offense. All of a sudden, Robert Woods is the veteran wide receiver on that team who 
Uh, Ryan Tannehill can trust as a veteran wide receiver who understands NFL corners and NFL pressures and, and everything that has to do with the NFL. Robert Woods is a vet. He knows what's going on. So I think we're going to see a lot of those targets get funneled to Robert Woods. Uh, again, may not be great off the bat, but all of a sudden Robert Woods steps into this like pseudo wide receiver one role in this Tennessee Titans offense uh, with Ryan Tannehill. And all of a sudden you're not forcing Ryan Tannehill to chuck the ball all the way down the field. Instead, you can just throw short intermediate routes to Robert Woods. Big winner, big winner from the draft because the Titans decided to part ways with AJ Brown for fantasy purposes. I don't know if I'm ready to put Robert Woods in like wide receiver two territory yet. I think, I think he's still like a wide receiver three. Um, but um, I, I, I think he's a fine addition to, to your team this upcoming season. Let's move on to some uh, rookie winners from the NFL draft uh, players that were drafted specifically. And ironically enough, Cameron, your rookie winner is going to be on the other side of the ball from Robert Woods. This upcoming yeah, game. it's going to be Traylon Burks. I think Burks is going to have a pretty decent fantasy year, and I think he's going to have a pretty good fantasy career. He's a guy that flourishes off of manufactured touches. And so why not? off of Derrick Henry play action, throw it out to Traylon Burks. You got a guy who can make things happen, who's going to see single coverage more often than not having Derrick Henry on his team. You know, teams want to put eight guys in the box every time Derrick Henry is on the field. So you're forced to have Traylon Burks one with the corner. And you know what? I'm okay with taking that and thinking Traylon Burks is going to win 50% of the time. You know, he's just 215 pounds and just runs downfield and wants to run someone over. So I, or no, he's two twenty five, isn't he? So he's even bigger. He's a big, he's a big boy. He is two twenty five. And so, you know, I just think that <laughs> and Tannehill's not gonna chuck it deep a lot, and Traylon Burks doesn't need no. that. He just needs to get in space, and I think that they're gonna use him just like that, and he's gonna have great fantasy value. Uh, as someone who took Traylon Burks at the one hundred three in our dynasty draft, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, again, if you're the Titans, you have two big dynamic playmakers. You have Derrick Henry, you have Traylon Burks. Feed those boys the ball and let them get to work. I 100% agree. Tyler, your rookie wide receiver is actually uh, someone who may get a bit overlooked. I don't want to say overlooked, but uh, based on how his career ended in college uh, and given the situation he kind of landed in, I wonder if he might be overlooked. But I agree with you. This this player is actually a big winner for yeah, the draft. This, uh, this winner is John Mechie. And I don't think a lot of people know a whole lot about Mechie. Um, some people may even say he was a reach in the second. I will say I had him comfortably in the second because when he was healthy in Alabama – and teammates with Jameson Williams, John Mechie was the wide receiver one. You can make an argument that Jameson was more efficient and whatnot, but when it came to targets and when it came to who do you get the ball to on third downs, on crucial situations, it was John Mechie. So this landing in Houston is probably the most ideal spot because he's not going to need to be rushed back. He's Brandon Cook's light. He doesn't have the speed of Cook's, but he does have that ability to somehow always be open, right? And that, that phrase, always be open, is kind of a a phrase that's thrown out there a lot, but, like, Mechie's always open. He's 
always open. And there was an update five days ago. Uh, he's going to be full. He's going to be full go by July. So he will by July. By July. Yep. Really? So he has a good chance of actually not missing like anything. Maybe wow. he misses like the first couple weeks just because he, that, I mean, it's currently May 5th, right? And July is two months from now. So he may miss like a couple weeks, but don't be surprised if he, uh, if he kind of breaks out a little bit in Houston, just because they have literally no one else. He's going to be a nice little compliment for Brandon cooks and a nice weapon for Davis mills. I 100% agree. I think people actually need to like put John Mechie on their dynasty radars um, and make him at least a mid-second-round pick in the dynasty leagues. Uh, if you have a need at wide receiver and you have an early second-round pick and guys, you know, obviously the big five, Jahan Dotson, Pickens, Watson, Sky Moore are off the board, like I think John Mechie might be my next guy after after those seven, eight guys. Agreed. I, I love I love John Mechie and, and even his landing spot in Houston, it seems bad. <laughs> I love it. I love the fit across the field from Brandon Cooks being the number two guy. My rookie winner. Uh this one isn't a surprise to anybody. It is Christian Watson. Very raw, raw talent. Uh dominated at the, the senior bowl though. I feel like everybody's worries was like, Oh, he didn't play against good enough talent and well, well, the Senior Bowl is where you go to show that you actually belong with the best seniors in the nation. And he walks into a situation now with Aaron Aaron Rodgers. Just got his bag. Has nobody else there. I'm sorry. If you think Sammy Watkins is a threat, if you think Amari Rodgers is a threat, Alan Lazard is really the only person I'd take an argument for of like, oh, well, he could see more targets than Christian Watson. I also think it's just because Christian Watson is a rookie and rookies with the track record uh, with Aaron Rodgers isn't isn't all that great. But I'll tell you what, Christian Watson has the build of like the prototypical stud wide receiver and he's blazing fast. This was like, I like honestly, the rumor came out that Aaron Rodgers wanted the Packers to draft Traylon Burks. Obviously, Traylon Burks went at 18 and not at 22. I think Christian Watson's a pretty dang good consolation mm-hmm. prize for that. Uh, his fit in Green Bay, I think, will be awesome. He'll, he'll be awesome in Green Bay. I'm really looking forward to see how Aaron Rodgers um, hopefully brings him along and... I don't think he won't be force-fed like Devontae Adams. I'm, by no means am I expecting Devontae Adams' numbers, but if you're talking about one of the highest upside prototypical guys in the draft, and he lands with a top-three quarterback in the NFL, that that's a massive win if you're Christian Watson, and you could have gone to any place in the NFL with, with how, admittedly, yeah. how raw his talent is. So. Give him as surefire of a quarterback as possible, and Aaron Rodgers is as surefire a quarterback as they come. So I love his landing spot um, in Green Bay. I do feel like because we brought up like prototypical surefire quarterbacks and wide receivers, I feel like we do need to give an honorable yeah. mention to Sky Moore. Him in Kansas City is a dream, I think, for him. Uh, I'm surprised he fell all the way to them um, in the draft, but... That wraps out our winners. Let's turn the corner here and chat some unfortunate losers from the NFL draft. 
Uh, and like our uh, winners, we will start with veteran losers first. And maybe the most obvious one. Uh, it came at the cost of getting the best running back in the draft for this team. So Cameron, your biggest loser is unfortunately Michael Carter. And I, I just want to point out when we did our sophomore rankings, I had put Ramondre Stevenson over Michael Carter for this very reason, because I did not believe that Michael Carter could be that, um, just that one in an offense. Um, you know, he's, I think I, I put it on our TikTok today. He's a Naheem Hines um, to Brees Hall's Jonathan Taylor. I'm not even saying, I'm not saying they're as good, but I think that those are the roles that they're going to play. Um, Michael Carter, we saw it last year in spurts. He can be a great receiving back. So he's still going to have value. It's not like he's totally crushed, but any dream we had of him running this offense is, is out the window now because Brees is there for four years at the very least. And by that time, Michael Carter will most likely be gone. And so, you know, I, the touchdowns are going to come down. Rushing work's definitely going to come down. Reception would probably say pretty similar, although he didn't have great receiving work with Zach Wilson last year. Um, it all came with Mike White, the checkdown king. And so, I don't know. I just, I think it really, like in dynasty, like a dynasty, you had some hope for Michael Carter, you know, being so young, having that kind of production profile, but he just, it's not, it's not there anymore. It's so sad because Michael Carter was one of our favorite like late round mm -hmm. sleeper guys in drafts last year that were like, yes. go invest in this guy. And that's that turned out extremely well last year. And I was hoping we could, again, push that this year of like, hey, look, the Jets didn't take a running back. All of a sudden, Michael Carter you know, probably going to like the seventh round if you want someone at the tail end of that running back dead zone who could pan out as a running back three for you. You can just load up on wide receivers in the middle rounds. Michael Carter is going to be my guy for that, but... Say la vie, I suppose, with Michael Carter. Um, it, extremely unfortunate, but also when you have a shot at getting arguably the, the best wide receiver talent in this draft, the best running back talent in this draft, one of the best edge rushing talents in this draft, the best cornerback, arguably the best cornerback. Pro I mean, the Jets just hit a home run all around, and you have the chance to get the best prospects at each position in the draft. Yeah. I don't know how you don't do that if you're the Jets. So. And, and, and arguably, it was mm -hmm. a hole that they needed to fill, at least yeah. add depth for. And they just went and just made Michael Zach Carter Wilson has no more excuses now. I mean, that the Jets confirmed that. Like, he is, he's got everything he needs. He's got a rebuild offensive line. He's got so many weapons. The defense is coming along. If he can't succeed this year, then, you know, I mean, he's, he's on a short leash, I think. Absolutely. He is their guy going forward. Mm. They've committed to him by getting him the stud running back that he needs to succeed. Tyler, your uh, your veteran loser comes at the cost of adding the second best running back in this draft class, uh, which, look, both of these guys, I think we're all three of us were excited for this year, <laughs> and both of these franchises just shot our hopes down. Yeah, Rashad Penny is a major, major loser after – the draft. Um, the Seahawks took Kenneth Walker in the second round. And initially, I thought, wow, that's a really good fit for Kenneth Walker. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, wait a minute. There's Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. 
now we can we'll we'll put Carson to the side for this argument and for this you know for Rashad Penny's sake. Rashad Penny last at the end of last year, I don't remember where he was, but he was a top ten running back in the last I want to say four weeks, last five weeks. Luis, can you back me up on that? Uh, sorry, I admittedly was distracted. <laughs> uh, can you? Uh, he was like what, he was a top ten running back in like the last four weeks, last five weeks of the season, right? Yes. So, uh, yes, yeah. No, Rashad Penny was, I believe, uh, top, top three. three the last. So, yeah, dude he was, was on a tear. He was on a dude tear. Was on a tear. And with the Seahawks going and getting Kenneth Walker, it really, really shows that. They really just look at Rashad Penny as the fill-in guy. They don't see Rashad Penny as a guy with a, a future in Seattle. We can say that. Um, yep. right. one year deal. So he, yeah. I mean, if he's if Chris Carson's healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Rashad Penny as running back three because they like Chris Carson that much. Um, but if Carson's out than Penny's running back too, but I think the whole reason why they took Kenneth Walker was because they saw a much better natural runner in Kenneth Walker than they saw in Rashad Penny, which makes zero sense because it's the same GM who chose both. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but at the end of the day, Rashad Penny is pretty much got chopped <laughs> from any kind of fantasy relevance for this year, unless someone gets injured, but we we're not going to, bank on that we don't stat or project anything like that that is not our not our place to do so uh, but yeah i 100 percent agree uh as a rashad penny manager i was heartbroken to hear the news that they did indeed take <laughs> they did take kenneth walker i tried so hard to deal penny beforehand and I just couldn't pull the trigger on some of the trades that I was offered. And uh, I just should have. I should have taken whatever I could have gotten in return for him. Because I knew he would probably resign with Seattle. And even if Chris Carson wasn't back, then, you know, once that news came out, I'm like, oh my gosh, Rashad Penny, all to himself. The least they could have done is spent like a, a fourth round pick on a running back, not freaking Kenneth Walker in the second. But I digress. Uh, I'm just avoiding going on and talking about my veteran loser because <laughs> oh, I am very, very sad about my veteran loser. Mostly because, again, uh, I <laughs> Cameron cut out at this point. Sorry, uh, I need to I need to state that reality as I'm like trying to segue into this point. Cameron cut out of our call. I'm trying to manage multiple things right now. Um. Oh, never mind. We are good. Uh, Cameron, everything cut off for Cameron, so we'll see if he's able to join back. But my veteran loser from the NFL draft is A.J. Brown. And it has to be because he went to a team. Uh, 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 it, at best, his move to Philly is a lateral move. Agree Agreed. or disagree? Agreed. At best, it's lateral. And I say that because he is like very clearly the number one there. And I guess he kind of was in Tennessee. Robert Woods is no slouch, but, um, and again, agree or disagree. Ryan Tannehill is the better NFL quarterback than Jalen Hurts. He is. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I assume you agree, but at this point, 
I, I don't want Jalen Hurts throwing AJ Brown the football in fantasy football. I don't trust that. I, I, I don't trust Jalen Hurts whatsoever based on what I've seen. Um, and look, I, I just finished statting out AJ Brown. He's, I don't have him having the worst season ever, but I'm also projecting 17 games. I am going over 1200 yards, but honestly, like I statted him out and I'm the whole time I'm thinking this feels too high. This feels too high. Everything about this feels too high. 135 targets, 85 receptions, uh, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns, still too high. Just feels too I, – I try to stay optimistic on A.J. Brown. I just can't because I – Jalen Hurts throwing him the football just terrifies me, and that's not something I want for fantasy football. So, unfortunately, A.J. Brown is my veteran loser – Let's transition to rookie losers as well. And Ty, I'm going to have you go first here. We've been going in a nice order of Cameron, <laughs> Tyler, Lucas, but uh, the number one of our order has butted out of our call. So, uh, Tyler, who is your rookie loser from? Yeah, the NFL my draft? rookie loser is my guy, Pierre Strong Jr., the running back from South Dakota State, who ended up going to the New England Patriots in, I want to say, the fourth round. I think the fourth, maybe the fifth. I feel, I think it's the fourth, but um, look, Pierre Strong had probably the most, I shouldn't say most potential, but he had the, the most amount of potential out of all the running backs in this class. Like we knew that Brees Hall was going to be really good. We knew that Kenneth Walker was going to be really good. But Pierre Strong was kind of the wild card. And I thought he could really, really do some damage if he found the right situation. And what actually happened is he probably found the worst situation to go into by going to New England. I have follow-up questions yes. once you're done, but keep okay. going. Um, he's now stuck behind Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. He's going to be fighting for targets if he's going to be a receiving back with James White. Like, he went to the worst possible situation. And there's some hope maybe that, like, they move on from James White and Damian Harris after this season. But still, like, it's really, really going to be tough to see him kind of thrive in New England because of crowded backfields that New England will always have. And that's just not the right fit not the right place for a guy like Pierre Strong Jr. So here's my follow-up questions on Pierre Strong Jr. As somebody who took him in our rookie draft, Damian Harris is on a contract here. His contract's up after this year. What are the odds they went ahead and got arguably the best zone scheme running back in this draft? One of the best zone scheme running backs in this draft. What are the odds they went out and just got a replacement for Damian Harris next year? Because agree or disagree, uh, Pierre Strong plays a lot more like Damian Harris than he does James White. Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent. I think Pierre Strong, I think okay, Pierre Strong would have thrived in like a San Francisco or a oh that right, would have been a or um, I'm trying to think of another um. Yeah. Oh, geez. Sorry. Atlanta, like Atlanta, just because he would have gotten like maybe the system wouldn't have fit, but he would have gotten the volume to at least like I would have right, loved like, that. 
I think it's definitely plausible that New England is thinking ahead, saying, like, we're not bringing back Damian Harris, so let's go get, you know, Pierre Strong as a little change of pace from Ramondre Stevenson because I think they're a little bit of a they're, – they're two different kinds of runners. They're, they've got some similarities, but they've also got some differences. So maybe there's some hope for them in the future, but – it, it it we uh, I think the best way to describe the situation is that Pierre Strong has to prove something to the coaches in New England because that's what every rookie has to do. They have to prove to their coach that they're worthy of being considered and getting playing time on Sundays. That's going to be yep. hard to do this year. And for a guy like Pierre Strong, who is pretty much, I mean, I'll say it, he's a boomer bust running back. That's not ideal. No. So I, I, since he is my guy, I will hold. I will hold a bit of hope, but it's cautious optimism. I'll say. Yeah, you're sitting on that optimism for at least a year. At least a year, you're sitting on that mm-hmm. optimism of something will uh, pan out in the future. Because then you also have to take an Ramondre into that account, which I thought about it and I yeah I'm very hesitant but uh you know at the end of the day Pierre Strong is talented I do think the Patriots like stocking up on their running backs they also like to do high high overturn on their uh, or high turnover on their mm-hmm. running backs look Damien Harris came in as the third guy for New England and now look at him top 15 fantasy season yeah. last year uh so I think there is hope for Pierre Strong just got to give it if you draft him in your rookie drafts, you're going to be sitting on him for at least. at least a year. That's just kind of the reality you have to come to. Uh, my rookie loser, and I'm very passionate about this one, is Veals Jones Jr. Part of my issue with him being a loser is that the Chicago Bears have to be, look, I, I know they turned over their front office. Ryan Poles. Hey, you know what? He's doing a fine job. He's he's tearing everything. He's tearing the studs down and everything. He's just getting to the ugly bits and pieces of this team and just tearing the whole thing down. But I'm sorry. Valus Jones Jr. over Jalen Tolbert? That blew my mind. That blew my mind. Was Sky Moore still no, on No, he was gone too? at that point. He was. Okay, good. I nearly had a heart attack when I just came to that realization of like, oh my gosh, did they take Valus Jones over Sky Moore? At any rate, it sounds like Valus Jones was the guy that Justin Fields wanted. But here's the thing about Valus Jones Jr. Tyler, do you know how old he's going to be going he's into gonna this NFL season? He's going to be 25. He's going to be 25. You know how old DJ Moore is? He's 24. He's going to be 25, like, two weeks before oh the NFL gosh. season. <laughs> they went out. So maybe my loser isn't even, like, everybody for fantasy is just the Chicago Bears. Maybe that's <laughs> what it is. Maybe that's my point here. Justin Fields a loser. Justin Fields is a loser from this draft, by the way. Another yep. veteran loser. Um, but Vales Jones Jr., I'm so sorry you had to go to this situation where you're having Justin Fields throw you the football. Your wide receiver one is Darnell Mooney. I love Darnell Mooney. That is not shade. That is not disrespect to Darnell Mooney. But when I think of prototypical wide receiver one in the NFL, I'll tell you who doesn't come to mind. Darnell Mooney. I don't know if he does for you. Can you can you confirm nah, on that? He he does not. He does not. 
Not, not in the slightest. This pick just blows my mind, and to 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 have the talent, the level of talent that Velas Jones has, and the situation that late breakout, very late breakout. I don't, I don't really like that. I want early breakouts. Twenty five years old. Dude's one year. One dude's, dude's two years younger than Terry McLaurin. Year and a half younger than Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I, this dude is. I, I'm sorry, Phelps Jones. I'm just gonna cut it. I just can't even fathom and collect my thoughts on how disappointed I am in Phelps Jones landing with the Chicago Bears. Out of all places, you know, he could have at least landed in like a Kansas City, right? I know Sky Moore went there, but like at least Phelps has like a little bit of a. A fit in that kind of a scheme. He goes to Chicago Bears. He's going to be irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. He'll be the wide receiver too and be absolutely irrelevant because Byron Pringle I can't make good decisions in life. And let's be real. Is there a chance Vales could have even hopped Byron Pringle on the depth chart? Only if Pringle's suspended. And that's a cop out. <laughs> So they drafted a wide receiver three over a Jalen Tolbert, who I think could have been a wide receiver two for them. So I'm sorry. Velas Jones, I have nothing against you, man. Just fantasy-wise, everything everything going into this situation is an or absolute even, hell. Or even David Bell. And, like, no one was a... Oh, David, that's the other one who was on the board. Right, that's like, the other no one. No one was super high on David Bell in this draft, but they were teams were higher on David Bell than they were on Velas, 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 whatever his name is, Jones. Like... <laughs> It teams just like David Bell more, except for the Bears. That was the other name there, because there was another name out there that people were in on that Velas went before, and it was David Bell, because, yes, I remember going back and looking at that and thinking, really, you didn't take David Bell 6'3", or 6, sorry, 6'1", 212? Like, really? You don't want that guy even, in your even, offense? And here's some other, like, deeper names. Calvin Austin from Memphis. Ro- Another speed guy, but still, I liked him better than yep. Bayless. Uh Romeo Dubes, Romeo Dubs. Khalil Shakir. I had Khalil a toss-up there. Oh, Khalil Shakir, I had I had Khalil Shakir higher than Bayless um, Jones. Like, there were, there were plenty of receivers that make more sense for Chicago than Jones. And I get, like, look, Ryan Poles is trying to make, like, Kansas City in Chicago. He's just looking for speed. That's the only reason why they drafted him. And look, sure, you can have all the speed in the world, but like you've got to have some other, you know, talent besides speed. And I don't think don't think yeah. he has anything else besides his speed. So there's so much there that we could just break down and, un- and unfold and that I'm just so disappointed with them. And I mean, as a Vikings fan, I'm happy because they're the only NFC North team to not trade up for a high caliber wide receiver <laughs> with us. <True>. So <laughs> shout out Chicago. Um, at any rate, uh, Cameron's, we, we spent a little more time on Vales Jones and Pierce Strong just because we, you know, we can tune into Cameron's time a little bit since he's not here, but uh, Rashad White was Cameron's loser. And I think part of it is, uh, Rashad White, the talent coming out of Arizona State, would have been awesome as a starting running back somewhere. I think he could have been, he would have been a very trendy late first round pick, I think, if he would have gone to a place where he could have been the starting running back. 
but he lands in Tampa behind Leonard Fournette, who's on a three-year deal. Could only be two years. There's an out for him after two years, but he ends up behind Leonard Fournette, who caught as many passes, or at least saw as many passes, as Austin Eckler last year. That doesn't scream pathway to running back duties in this offense for Rashad White, who also is a great pass catcher. So uh, I I am a little bit disappointed that Rashad White landed in Tampa Bay, and I do think he is a little bit of a loser fantasy-wise. NFL-wise, I think he'll be great there eventually. Um, But fantasy-wise, I do think Rashad White is a loser this year. All right, with uh, the few minutes we have left here, Ty, let's uh, let's each name a player that we're keeping our eye on in rookie drafts this year. Someone who may be a little bit of a sleeper, uh, someone who's maybe gaining a little bit of hype, somebody at any rate that the people should know about, that we're keeping our eye on, and they should have their eye on too in rookie drafts. Yeah, I will give two names because one is probably a more obvious name, but like in redrafts, I don't think you take this guy. That's James Cook. He's uh, he's now the new partner in crime with Devin Singletary in Buffalo. Um, there's some intrigue there, and I think I think everyone's like, well, he's a second round grade, so like, or he he was taken in the second, so he's going to get some usage. And I kind of like pumped the brakes on that a little bit because like he definitely w- he definitely wasn't going to be there at the end of round three. So the so Buffalo kind of had to take him if they wanted him at the end of round two. So again, just pump the brakes. But going forward, like in the future, like there could be some good potential with James Cook to be the one, the or be the guy that finally kind of takes over the backfield for the Bills. So that's a redraft guy. But in terms of like rookie drafts and in dynasty stuff, I'll throw out a name like Keontae Ingram, who's with the Arizona Cardinals. Um. Because currently it's James Connor and um, is it Ejo? Nobody. There Eno it is. Benjamin. Eno Benjamin. I was like, I know Benjamin. But what's his first name? Eno Benjamin. Eno. Um, Ingram. He kind of popped off the tape a little bit. I didn't think he nearly had. Um, I mean, for being an undrafted guy, or no, he went seventh round. He went seventh round. He did go so being a seventh round guy, I thought he was going to go a little bit earlier, but I digress. He's a guy to kind of keep a lookout for late round rookie drafts in Dynasty because, like I said, there's no one else other than James Conner. So that's a name to be on the lookout for. Yeah, a guy I'm looking uh, to keep an eye on, Tyler Algier. Yeah. And here's why. I I've, I took Tyler Algier in our rookie draft. I actually took him late second round, mostly because running back was a deep need on my team. I didn't want anybody else to swoop up any of my any potential starting running backs down the road. And Tyler Algier may be a fifth round rookie, but his path to lead running back duties in an Arthur Smith offense, I think, might be some of the best in this class. Uh, when you look at where guys like Isaiah Spiller landed, Rashad White landed, Brian Robinson landed, right. James Cook, even, right? James Cook is going to get receiving work. No questions about that whatsoever, but I digress. Tyler Algier, 5'11", 220, pure power back out of BYU. Great zone scheme runner. 
Tyler, you want to remind uh, the people who is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? Um, former Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. Yeah, and you want to tell me uh, uh, there, there's a name I'm thinking of in particular here that uh, Arthur Smith in particular worked with during his time on the Tennessee Titans that helped really break out into the NFL as a very aggressive downhill power back rusher. Are you talking about Derrick Henry? I am talking about Derrick Henry. Now, don't hear this as Tyler Algier is Derrick Henry. They are, that is not what I am saying. But what I am saying is I'll tell you what. They tried out that power back experience with Mike Davis last year. Uh, that didn't go well. Uh, not at all. That did not go well at all. So, yes, they've re-signed Cordero Patterson. He will see some touches in the backfield. But I'll tell you what. Arthur Smith is going to want a power back on the field at some point. They brought in Damian Williams. Damian Williams is nice, but there's nothing about Damian Williams that screams lead running back in an offense. I think Tyler Algier could absolutely beat him out in the backfield, so he is a name throughout the offseason. I am keeping a very close eye on to see how much hype he gets, where he's at on the depth chart, how he's performing in comparison to both Cordero and uh, Damian Williams in the backfield. Tyler Algier, even though he's a fifth-round pick, right? Fifth-round picks typically don't pan out. He landed in such an ideal spot for his skill set that I think, like, if he saw the field and became, like, a whiff of fantasy relevant for even, like, three, four weeks, I think it could happen this year. Uh, but he is a guy, too, where I think he will take at least a year. And if the Falcons don't like him after a year, well, he didn't spend the capital on him so they can get rid of him, too. So there is definitely a risk with Tyler Algier in your dynasty formats. But after guys like Brian Robinson, after guys like Rashad White, Isaiah Spiller, Damian Pierce, right? Like, I think I think it's worth looking at Tyler Algier as one of the next best running backs on the board. Maybe I'm a little biased because I did take him, but I'm I'm excited for Tyler Algier. I think there's opportunity there. And where there's opportunity in fantasy, uh, a lot of times comes points. So it's not confirmed. Haven't seen him play down yet, but just my two cents. Uh, Cameron's player he was keeping an eye on. This is a player we're all keeping our eye on, who we're all very high on right now, Damian Pierce. It's Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce and David Johnson. No. <laughs> David Johnson... Oh, no, Rex Burkhead. Sorry. It is Rex Burkhead. It is Rex Burkhead. I think Damian Pierce, he's so talented. I know he didn't get the touches in college, but he is so explosive and talented that he could beat out all three of those guys. No question in my mind. I don't know if you have any last-minute thoughts on Damian Pierce here before we close out the podcast. I think the only – not even concern. The only question mark that I've got on Damian Pierce is exactly like what the receiving work is going to be like for him. And if they, if he does get any, because it wouldn't surprise me if they give the majority of the receiving work to Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead a little bit instead of Damian Pierce. But uh, if Damian Pierce kind of shows out a little bit in training camps and mini camps and whatnot, there's a good chance that Damian Pierce could be uh, kind of a, dare I say, Michael Carter-esque type running back this year. Ooh. I kind of like that comp, honestly. I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that at all. It's not a bad place to be if you're Damian Pierce until they draft your replacement in the NFL draft who's the best prospect in the class. But <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. 
on you. Uh, you <laughs> I <know>. digress. <laughs> Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. That wraps out all of our content here for today. Tyler, any final thoughts you have? For hey, hope you people? enjoy the first episode of the new season of the Fantasy Football Fellows. Stay tuned for more episodes coming out later on in the future. And uh, just wait until we're all back in person together again recording. It's going to be a grand old time. Every single week, we got a new episode coming out. So make sure you hit that. Uh, subscribe button on your screen. Make sure uh, to get all the notifications of when a new episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows comes out. You can follow us on our socials for even more daily content, uh, daily fantasy football content. Uh, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas on Facebook, YouTube, and the good old TikTok. Do you know we're at 42,000 followers? We get 42. 42. We I did not 42. know we hit 42. We're at 42K. Hey. 42K on TikTok. Go give us a follow over there. Uh, we are grateful for your support, as always. And if you're coming from TikTok, hey, thanks for hanging with us after last week. We, it was a little, we get it was a little bit of a rocky road last week, but we are here made and we it. are back. We made it. So thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. Well, it was three Stooges being dudes, and now it's just two Stooges being dudes. So uh, <laughs> with that, Tyler and Lucas signing off. Fancy football, fellas. We will see you all next week. Deuces. Deuces. Deuces.